You're listening to The Preppy Podcast, and I'm your host, Patricia May Olson. I'll be interviewing the brands, businesses, and influencers who are keeping the modern preppy lifestyle alive. Each Tuesday, I'll bring you a new episode, but if you're craving more preppy, then shop the merch and listen to past episodes at thepreppypodcast.com, and be sure to follow at The Preppy Podcast and me, Patricia underscore May underscore Olson on Instagram. Hello, welcome back to the Preppy Podcast, and you guys are in for a treat today because we're talking with my friend Leanne. Um, I had met her through the Southern Sea, I think, originally, and then became closer with her um, through Lydia Menzies Supper Club that I'm part of, which I highly recommend both of those groups for anyone listening. Uh, but she has a boutique in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, Pink Bee, it is called, and carries some of my favorite brands like Sail to Sable and Long. Trump and Lily Pulitzer even. Um, And I wore a lot of her pieces when I was on Nantucket Island with her as well. So I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. She actually bought the boutique. um, So it's a little bit of a different angle. We've had a few businesses like that on, but not too many. Uh, And Leanne is just such a joy and has so much knowledge to share. So it's a really good one. All right. So why don't you let everyone know who you are, where you live, and what you do? So my name is Leanne Miller, and I am located in the beautiful upstate of South Carolina in Greenville. Um, and I own the Pink Bee, which is a women's clothing store. We mostly um, were known as a Lily Pulitzer store, but we have many other fabulous brands: um, Vineyard Vines, Sail to Sable, Smith and Quinn, Longchamp, Villagayo. Um, very much your kind of resort chic, preppy um, lifestyle boutique for everyone which makes you the perfect guest for the Preppy Podcast. And we actually, I guess we figured out that we met a year or so ago at a dinner during the Southern Sea, but we didn't really chit-chat that much then. Um, But we just hung out a lot at Lydia Menzies Supper Club Soiree uh, on Nantucket Island. And I just love everything in your shop. Once I discovered it, then I started buying things and I wore my my sweatshirt yesterday. (laughs) It looked amazing. It was so cute. That's one of my favorites. Of course, I have that one too because I think we figured out that we have very similar taste yep. in in, um, in bubbles and wine and clothing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So before we dive into your business today, I'm always curious, what are the people that I interview like as kids? Like what was your childhood like? Were you entrepreneurial? Were you into style? Tell me about little Leanne. So I did not know I was entrepreneurial, but I think innately I was. My entire family um, were entrepreneurs. My grandfather, my uncle, my dad, my mom, everyone had their own business. And I just, that's all I knew. So I don't, I wasn't, I wasn't the kid with the lemonade stand or trying to sell uh, rocks or anything like that. But that was just how I was raised. That that's just everything around me um, was was entrepreneurial and no, I was not fashionable. (laughs) I look back now and my personal sense of style was probably terrible, but I was also the child who, if my mom would walk out wearing something I didn't like, I'd be like, no, that stuff doesn't match. You need to go change. And then 
but I apparently never looked at the mirror myself. But (laughs) (laughs) as I went through, I think college was when I kind of figured out, okay, I have an eye for this, but I also need to turn and look at myself and see um, what I'm wearing and took an interest in fashion starting in college. And then it really just took off, I guess, in my early 20s. Um, but I had been working in uh, a marketing job with with a college and realized that that entrepreneurial spirit was definitely there that was kind of ingrained in me from a young age, even without me knowing it. And that's when I decided to kind of break out on my own and follow follow the family uh, way of owning my own business. I love that. And sometimes, you know, looking back, you can find those little hints that you're like, oh, well, maybe I was like more entrepreneurial than I realized. Or I think a lot of us come into our own self in college. So it's, it sounds like you sort of, you know, discovered and found your your own sense of style and your identity is sort of around then too. So I'm curious, like where and what did you end up studying then in college? So I was an English major and I knew I was going to be an English major since I was probably a freshman in high school. That was what I loved. I loved to read. I loved to write. I loved to communicate. Um, and I steered clear of anything with numbers, which is <laughs> funny that now I run a business. Um, and I laugh every day about that. But uh, I was definitely more on the journalism communication side of English. I went to a small liberal arts school, and so we didn't have a journalism school or anything like that. But I was involved with our school newspaper and uh, the the Office of Marketing Communications, kind of working with them. and But that's where my first career took me was in marketing. So that was my path. And it obviously changed a little bit, but you can't be knowing how to communicate in any job that you have. So I'm very grateful for that background and still read and write as much as I can today. Definitely. And we kind of bonded over that fact too, that we both we don't love numbers and spreadsheets. <laughs> we prefer the writing and the reading side. Yes. So you had this job then in marketing and you studied marketing. Um, What was your your first career and sort of journey before you bought the Pink Bee? So I was was initially hired as an admission counselor and then for college and then kind of quickly moved over to the marketing role for that office. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also traveled. Um, I went to a boarding school. I, w- I was a day student, but I kind of knew the boarding school life. So they sent me to recruit in New England at the boarding schools while also doing marketing for the college, which was a lot of, I, I basically did two jobs in one. Um, and that that was my career for six, five or six years, I guess. And um, at some point during that last year, I was like, I you know, I'm, I'm director of marketing. I have no place else really to go up from there. And I was, I guess, 27 at the time and just kind of in a rut. And I knew that at that point I needed to get out and do something on my own. And that's when I left that job um, and went to get my MBA. I figured I don't really know what I want to do yet, but, you know, I don't know a lot about business and I know that I want to somehow have my own business, I should get some basics and, you know, take a finance class <laughs> and, <laughs> and do that. And so that's when I left and did my, my MBA is actually with a um, emphasis on entrepreneurship. Very cool. Okay. So then you are studying for your MBA or, or you had just finished your MBA. And then tell me about how the Pink Bee kind of came yeah. on your radar. So I was wrapping up my MBA. It was our last spring, summer semester and COVID hit. 
And by MBA program, being entrepreneurship, we had to have a business we were launching during our program. And mm-hmm. mine was, I was designing equestrian jackets for competition and performance wear. Mm-hmm. And so this is where the fashion kind of comes back into my life uh, on that design side. But COVID shut everything down. I had my sketches done. I couldn't even get pattern makers. I could not get uh, textile samples. It I mean, nothing was happening. And we went online for our program and I was bored out of my mind. I just don't do well sitting inside with nothing to do. And I knew there was this Lily Pulitzer store in town and my friend's mom owned um, a store, a Lily Pulitzer store about two and a half hours away. And so I contacted her. I said, look, you know, I like, I like the preppy style. I wasn't a huge Lily girl, but I wore some. I was like, do you think you can recommend me for a job? And she kind of laughed at me and she's like, it's an economic shutdown. I mean, doors are locked <laughs> everywhere. Why would they hire you? But you know what? You know, you're, you're, you'd be a good worker. I'll make a phone call. And I'm sure the owner kind of rolled her eyes, laughed, whatever. But she then found out that I had a background in building websites. Mm-hmm. I had helped build, and I say helped build in the very like minimalistic sense, building Wofford College's new website. Um, I was like, I can build a Shopify website. And so at that point, she knew that they had to go online for sales because the doors were locked. So she hired me to build their Shopify website. I think I built it in, I don't know, just a, just a matter of days. Wow. And she, it gave me something to do. I got out of the house. I was working in the basement of the store. Um, it was better than just being in my apartment. Yeah. And um she told me, she was like, look, I am either going to be selling the store or I'm just going to close. She did it for 25 years and was like, I'm tired. So this is not a long-term job for you. And at that point, I knew I wasn't going to be doing much with my jackets because they were just on a, on a standstill. I mean, we we're still in the height of COVID at that point. That was, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, maybe May. Wow. Um, and... So I was like, well, I want some form of investment opportunity, but I want it to be active. And I knew I liked the fashion side of it, even though I didn't know retail. And I said, let's let's chat. And so we um, had a few a few meetings in a coffee shop, some negotiations, and suddenly I was the owner of of a of a women's clothing store with no retail experience. Oh my gosh, I love that, and I. I've interviewed only a few people, I think, that have bought a business from someone else. So I'm always so curious about that, and I think my listeners are as well. How long was that process then, do you think, about um, like bringing up to her that you possibly were interested and then you know you officially getting the keys and the title? Like, How long did that take, would you say? It was very quick. And I would okay. think it, for me, it was quicker just because she was ready to exit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, we... I was probably hired, I'm guessing March or April, and we signed the papers on July 1st. Wow. So that is all the due diligence, talking to attorneys, um, working with the bank, our, she and I's negotiation on on price. And then um, just, and, and during that time, I graduated from my MBA program. I also got the original strain of COVID and bought the business all within two months. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing it that fast, but that's just the way <laughs> the way it was, the way the world was working. Yeah. But um, it's I would say mine was a little bit different than many acquisitions mm-hmm. just because it was 
height of COVID, it was, uh, she was ready to exit. It was just kind of all these, all these good things at once that just made the perfect opportunity for me to, to enter into this, this business. Definitely. Wow. And then where, like, since, you know, you didn't necessarily have that background or this was your first time, you know, buying a company, where did you get advice on that? Like, how did you even know the right price to to come in at? Like, what, did you have a mentor or was it, is there a book you read? I'm always curious about those sort of tidbits too for people who might be in a similar position or might be interested in doing something, like any tools or resources that sort of helped you. So... In a, again, it was a little bit different for me. I did an mm-hmm. asset acquisition. I didn't actually buy the business. Okay. So I was not buying, I technically didn't buy the name or any of the, um, I didn't buy her debt. I didn't buy any customer list, but essentially I just bought all of the inventory and then kind of a, a goodwill ad- addition of money on top of that. And so I went through kind of with my dad um, what her inventory was, what her numbers were, and kind of made our own kind of guesstimate of what what the business was worth, even though I wasn't buying the business, but just kind of a pat on the back. You did 25 years of work. Um, And I will say we were in a much easier situation because she she wanted to exit anyway. Mm -hmm. And if you just exit and close, you're not making any money. She would just sell off her inventory. So if you're looking at someone who wants to, if you have five different bidders on a, on a business, you're going to have to pay more for those, those customer lists, that business name. So it was a lot of help with, from my dad. Um, I think our accountant looked at some, some things, but I mean, I don't, I certainly not trying to take all the credit for it because it wasn't me and it was definitely a risk, but um, I was lucky to have close family members that just kind of looked at it and said, you know, this, you really can't go wrong um, yeah. with the, with the investment you're putting in this, even if it doesn't work, which I think the bank and my accountant were skeptical because it was COVID. <laughs> yeah. So, you, know, you're, you can recover from this. You're not, I wasn't, you know, taking out loans and, mm. Um, making all these scary commitments. It was just, if it works, great. If it doesn't, it's not the end of the world. Okay. That makes sense. And obviously it helped that she was eager to to move on from this. And um, so she was eager to sell, it sounds like. Yeah. So with that though, uh, so you didn't get the customer list. So you sort of had to start from scratch with that. So legally I didn't. I did. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, wow. And- I understand. Yes, it's it wasn't. I don't think it was technically written in the contract, but that's and plus the business is twenty five years old, and it, we've been in the same location for fifteen years. I kept the same staff, so people knew who we were and kept on coming to us. But um, it was the the idea of the asset acquisition rather than the business was more of just safety of if any if any legal issues were to come up. I was protected because I was technically a new business established in 2020. Um, We just kind of wrapped everything else, customer list, emails, staff into the kind of the goodwill part of it. Okay. That makes total sense. So what would you say, looking back, is the benefit to buying, you know, an existing established great business versus starting something from scratch? Like what was your reasoning behind that? And looking back in hindsight, what do you think worked really well because of that? There's, there's definitely pros and cons. And I think, um, 
money wise, there's so many more pros because you have um, a lot of times you are taking these brands that you don't have to kind of fight for. Like I, for those of you who don't, for those realtors that don't know about fashion brands, most of them are zip code protected or they're mileage protected. So if you're coming into an existing business, you already own those brands for that area. So you're not having to go to markets and find people that will take a risk on a new business to sell their line. So I walked into I mean, these huge heritage brands that as long as they approved me financially, I owned it for that area. So that was a huge, um, it huge. I could start making money right away because I already had those brands in my store. You also don't have to really gain new customers. You already have customers unless you're completely switching the business around, which we didn't. Your people are going to come in and they know there's a new owner, but they know what to expect. They know that if they want a white dress for graduation, they come to the pink beat, or if they need a new golf outfit, they come to us. So you don't have the cost of the customer acquisition. Hmm. You have a legacy name for us being there for 25 years. Most of my friends grew up shopping at the pink bee. And so they're, they just keep, they keep on going. Nothing changes. Um, the only difficult thing, well, I won't say the only, but one of the difficult things is because I came in as a much younger owner, I kind of had a new outlook on things and a new outlook on our our styles and our sizing and getting people to come in the store because they might think, oh, the pink bee isn't for me. They don't have the right sizes. They don't have the right styles. But I'm like, no, I'm new. I'm bringing in new things. You need to come and see what the new pink bee is. And mm-hmm. kind of changing that mindset for customers who think they know who we are, that's the challenge. But overall, if you can find an existing business with a great, um, you know, a great name in your area with great brands, it's, and I had a storefront. I didn't have to find a storefront and buy a building or, or, um, you know, establish that, that part of the brick and mortar. So I'd say it's definitely a lot easier to do it that way. Um, but it's a little bit harder to make it your own when it has that legacy in in an area. That makes total sense and I think is so helpful for people listening. And so I'm curious then, you kind of touched on this, but what were some of the first things you did then when you acquired it? It sounds like you really were trying to change the perception of it um, to reach a new audience, but keep your existing one. But what else are some of those things that, you know, once you got the keys, you're like, okay, these are things that I want to do to make it mine or, you know, to make the business better. Right. So one of our biggest things was we did a full interior renovation and that was so much fun because it brought it, you know, brought it up to date, kind of brought my sense of style to it and made it feel like a true experience for shopping. I think it was very much, it was, it was a cute store, but people would go in, they'd have their, they'd try on their dress, they'd buy it. And what I wanted to do is make it a destination. I think that's how so many retail spaces are going now. Um, they want it to be an experience for for the shopper, for their family, whoever's with them. Um, so we created you know a nice little sitting area in the center, and we added what we call the juice bar. Lily Pulitzer started by selling juice on the side of the road in, in Palm Beach, and so we have our juice bar. So people, whether it's husbands, the people shopping, um, bachelorette parties that come in, we say, hey, you know, do you want? We have water, lemonade, we have uh, wine, prosecco, white claws beer, um, whatever you want. And that just adds a different kind of level of experience. And that's what I wanted to bring with with that full renovation. We also 
Um, I brought in a couple new brands. We expanded our jewelry section immensely and then also increased our sizing. And so we always have double zero through extra, extra large, or double zero through 16, um, extra, extra small to extra, extra large in things that we can have. So, you know, people will tell me, oh, I can't go to your store. You don't have my size. I'm like, come, come try it. I guarantee <laughs> you, we're not going to have all sizes and everything, but no place does. But uh, we're not a two, four, six store. We, you know, anyone can come in and we're going to find something, something for you. And so those were the the three main things, the experience side of it, sizing, and then the different brands. I want people to walk in that may not love Lily Pulitzer, but still find something else in the store. And I think we've made that possible with, with some of the other brands that we carry now. I love that. That's so smart. Um, so not having a retail background, what were some of the the learning curves or some of the skills that you had to learn later once you bought it? Lots. <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still learning today. Um, I will say before I signed any papers, I had the current uh, or the, the manager who had been there for 15 years, she signed a one-year contract with me. I said, look, I can't do this without you. And she has since stayed on and I hope that she stays forever. But she she taught me most of what I needed to know with the retail side of it. And she handles a lot of the special orders, the um, inventory management. And I came in knowing I know how to balance books. I can use QuickBooks. I can I help with the buying. Um, but I think the hardest part for me was, and this is going to sound terrible, the customer <laughs> service side of it. I love, I love it when people are happy, but when people get mad or they, um, people don't like our return policy. And it's very similar. We have it, most small businesses, it's uh, exchange or store credit, just because we can't have people ordering three sizes, send it back. Yeah. We're, we lose money that way. And people get so mad and I get yelled at all the time for that. <laughs> but I'm a very black and white person when it comes to rules, um, like too much. And I have, she's taught me and I still struggle with this. You know, sometimes there's a gray area. You'd rather, you know, if someone is yelling at you and making a scene in your store, you know, look, what, what can we do to make this better? We might have to make an exception to the rule, but, you know, let's not get all worked up about this. It's not mm -hmm. the end of the world. It's retail. No one is sick or dying. Um, yeah. Now people are going to hear this, be like, oh, I'll just go pitch a fit and I'll get my, <laughs> get my uh, refund back. No, that's not, that's not how it works. But that has been one of the hardest things for me, just knowing when when to stand my ground and when to just feel like it's not worth the fight. Um, and it's that's a challenge for me every day. But the rest of it, I mean, it's it's... I wouldn't say it's common sense, but it's, you have to spend money to make money. You can't, you, you, you can't just buy what you like. You have to buy what you know your customers like. Um, it's a constant learning curve and I'm always learning something new, but um, I, I mean, I joke, I say I pay the bills and she runs the day to day, which I do more <laughs> than that. And yeah, she's amazing. But it's, yeah, I still, I still, I still kind of wonder what I'm doing each day, but it works. We it'll be three years on July 1st. Yeah. And we're we're doing great. So I'd say I've learned, and she's been patient with me, and that's the, that's the biggest thing is her patience with me trying to learn. But we're a good team. Oh my gosh! Well, first of all, congratulations on you said three years it'll be. Yes, that's amazing. Um, and I think you know that struggles with 
every business, even me, myself, you know, if you have a difficult client, I think everyone hates those difficult clients and, you know, thinks they know how to handle it and then it blows up in their face or, you know, they, they put off handling it. There's so many issues. I think with any business, um, it always comes down to, you know, the customers or the clients and that being the hard part because they're what pays your bill, but, um, yeah, you have to have boundaries. Yep. Yep. So uh, tell me a little bit about the Pink Bee today. Like, what are the brands you guys are carrying? Um, you know, what is it? What does it look like today since you took it on? So I, I think it's, it's a joy to go into work every day. It is the most, I think it's the most beautiful, brightly colored, fun um, experience for, for my employees and our customers coming in. And we're definitely still mostly a Lily store, especially in the spring and the summer. Um, but we carry, so Barber is huge for us in the fall and winter. Um, Every at least around here in South Carolina, everyone wears barber coats in the winter, and it's kind of the uniform for a lot of the colleges too. And um, Vineyard Vines, um, Smith and Quinn is probably our second biggest seller uh, behind Lily, which is one. It's a great brand that I found very early when when uh, Kaylee was rebranding as Smith and Quinn, and we kind of took a risk on them, not knowing how it would go. And it is just amazing. I mean, I could sell their dresses all day, every day. And that's been, that's been fun to develop that relationship and bring this new brand to the Greenville area that no one's heard of. And now everyone loves it. Um, and then, as I said, our jewelry section is just huge. And that brings a lot of our younger customers in because they range in price from $18 up to $300. And so if high school girls want to come and get a fun pair of earrings for you know, some party they're going to or a homecoming, they can come. They're not breaking the bank. Um, we have a lot of just fun kind of statement earrings, and that has brought in a whole new demographic of customers for us. Um, also, tourists, we have a lot of tourists here now. They love the earrings, and also we have gooder sunglasses, which I didn't know about. People are obsessed with them. It's, um, we can, we'd probably sell five or six pairs every day, but it's, I mean, I, I think it's it's a neat place because we have so many locals that come shop with us. And then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have a mix of tourists coming too because it's, again, it's those national heritage brands that bring people in. Um, so it's a fun mix of Greenville. It's a fun mix of people coming and learning about who we are. Um, another one of my favorite things that I have to plug is our, our custom print. So we have a Greenville print and a Spartanburg print. Oh. And so it's all of kind of the the landmarks of both cities. Um, so in Greenville, we have Falls Park and Liberty Bridge. Um, we have the BMW plant here. So there's little BMWs, there's the baseball field. Then we have our logo and then my dog because my dog is Aww. our mascot. Um, and so that's also part of the tourist too. If you don't want to get a shirt that says Greenville, you can get a little Greenville tea towel or a tote bag or a tumbler. I love that. And so what brands, is that with a brand or that's kind of yes, your own? That's- Smith and Quinn, they do okay. our custom prints and we even have clothing with it too. It's amazing. People want to wear, uh, you know, skirts and dresses with, with our Greenville print on them. And I love seeing them out in town. It's so much fun. Just- oh, that is awesome. So what's been the best form of marketing for you? Being in PR and marketing, I'm always curious and I always ask everyone this, but how, you know, since you you have the business, what's been the best form to get the word out and, and reach new customers or, or get old customers back? 
So, I mean, I think everyone knows these days social media is so big just because the the customer acquisition cost is zero to very minimal. Um, and that has been, we have a very large social media following, which I'm super proud of. Um, and that was before me where they really got that big. And I have one of my employees handles our social media. So that, that's all her. Um, so that's been easy. We do some print marketing. Um, that's just, again, it's more expensive and it you, the person has to pick up that publication to see it. Um, but I think in town, one of our best marketing things is that I try and go out in the community as much as I can and just be social, be involved in things. I wear my own clothes. I have my friends wear the clothes. And so I might go to a cooking club event or my book club or a community luncheon and people say, oh, where's that dress from? It's from the Pink Beat. And that's to me, that's so simple and kind of a no brainer to do that. But I don't think many business owners think about that, that you that you are your brand and all you have to do is get out in front of people and show off show off who you are and, and what you are. Um, obviously, I can't travel around the U.S. doing that, just wearing my clothes. So that's what that's where the social media comes comes in. But just locally, um, I'm always doing stuff. I stay tired because I'm, all, I'm always going to events, <laughs> but that's the easiest, easiest way because they're going to, people are going to come into your store because they've met you. They've met you, the owner, or you, the employee, um, rather than just seeing an ad. Anyone can pay for an ad, but if they connect with you, they like your story um, and you have cute clothes on, that's going to entice them much more to come in. So it's, I mean, it's not true marketing, but it is, it's marketing of yourself, yeah. and your personal brand, which is, I think more people are realizing how important that is. And it's been, um, I don't think I started out purposely doing that, but I've realized how uh, beneficial it's been. And I just keep on, keep on running with it. And I make a ton of friends in the meantime and have expanded in my community. Definitely. I think there's, you know, a lot of people that forget about just showing up at events and being there and the the value in being face to face with someone and actually building real relationships helps so much. So I, I totally agree. Um, for anyone listening that maybe has their own brand or business, how do you decide if you want to take on a new brand or um you know, buy into new collections? Like what's that process like for you? It's so hard. Um, <laughs> and I mean, right now we're, we're in a space where we have brands wanting to come in and we just don't have the space for it. So first off, if you have a brand, you know, don't be discouraged if someone says no, it's not that it's not, if I'm telling you no right now, it's probably not because I don't like you. It's just because I don't have space for it. Um, but for me, I want to find brands that not only I love, but I can specifically think, you know, my five customers, I can see them wearing this. Um, that's, I could bring in, there are a couple brands that I love, but none of my customers would, would buy it. So you have to know, have to know your market. And then the relationships that you build with your reps, whether it's the, if they have a rep or if it's the owner, I need to be able to connect with you and have a good conversation with you. I don't want it to be transactional. Um, that's, if you learn one thing from this, from this podcast with me, it's that I'm all about the relationships and less of the transactions. So getting in front of people, you know, go to dinner with someone, go to uh, schedule a phone call with them before you even maybe pitch your brand to them. Because if you develop that relationship first, 
then I'm more likely to be like, look, I'll give you a chance. I may not, I'm not sure if it's going to work, but since I've developed the relationship with you and I believe in your brand, I'm going to, I'm going to take that risk on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and with smaller brands, it, it is hard because there's not, you know, you may not have the market research. People haven't heard of the name. So I'm putting more of my time and money to market you. But again, if I believe in it, that's, that's half the battle right there. Um, so I don't, I don't know if that's very helpful, but it's, it's all about building those relationships with the stores and with the brands, because in the end, we are both going to have to go up to bat for each other at some point. And that's when you want that true hundred percent, hundred percent partner on each side, not just someone who will be a vessel of selling, selling your clothes and giving you a paycheck. Mm-hmm. No, I think that makes total sense. You know, it is all about relationships and um, you're representing them and they're representing you. So it has to be, you know, both sides. Yes. Yes. And it's, I love, I love meeting people and hearing, hearing their stories. I mean, we met uh, Lee of Kate Lee and that's one brand that I'm like, oh my goodness, how can I get involved with this brand? Because I love, I love her so much. I love her story and what her brand stands for. And that, that's so much for me when working with, working with brands is that, um, personal connection relationship and and the stories. I'm all about a good story. Definitely. Now what's been a pinch me moment so far? Like what, what have you done business wise that you're just like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Or I can't believe we did that. Uh, what's your pinch me moment? So I've, I've been asked this a few times and I always kind of hem and haw on an answer and this, and I realize it's because I am um, a very Southern girl who's been taught not to discuss finances or money. Um, (laughs) But when it comes to business, that's kind of a big part of it. And um, last year, I think in October, we exceeded a million dollar annual revenue in our second year. And that for me was like, wow, we, we did it. Um, my goal was to do it in three to five years and we did it, we did it in two years. And um, that was just a, okay, we're, we're doing something right. There's things I want to change. There's things I want to do better, but I, I have a million dollar business now. Um, so that's, again, it, it's still hard for me to talk about, especially on a, on a public venue like this to say that, but it's, it's huge. And I, yeah. as I've gotten to speak to more people, on you know in the business and I, I mentioned that the the cheers and the congratulations that I've got have made me realize that it's not just it's not just a personal victory it's a victory that we all can can just say wow we did it that's that's a big thing and especially coming out of COVID as well doing that um, was and huge. in retail specifically yes. yeah doing yeah. that after COVID that's amazing so congratulations and exceeding your goal like doing it in a shorter amount of time than you had even set for yourself yes yes so it was it was all kinds all kinds of great things all at once and so that's I think that was just the biggest last spring was just kind of a whirlwind of things are going great what you know how how can we make this even better, but things, things are going so well. And I just was able to sit back and be like, okay, you're, you're doing something good. I mean, it's, it's yeah. tough being, it's tough being a, a millennial in 2022 sometimes <laughs> um, that, you know, most of my friends are doctors and attorneys and all this. And I'm like, I'm just trying to figure out each day what, what I do. And I had that, had that moment of we're, we're good. My, my yeah, dog and you I. Are. <laughs> you're doing it. I love it. Who would be a dream customer for you? 
Oh goodness. So I don't, I mean, I don't think it would ever be her style, but if, you know, if Kate Milden were to wear something from my store, I would just die. Like, I love that. <laughs> she's a great answer. I feel like a few people have said her, um, you know, she's just so classic and beautiful yeah. and or, or any, any of the, any first lady, just, you know, just, just a classy lady. That's all I want is a classy lady wearing, wearing my, my things. I love it. We knew them in one of your Greenville prints. <laughs> yes. yes. We did have a local newscaster wear it. And I mean, that was nowhere near um, royalty or first ladies, but I was very excited about that too. <laughs> yeah, that's still amazing. Yeah. So since this is the Preppy podcast, I always ask everyone, what does Preppy mean to you? So I think preppy, I have always considered myself preppy and my style is definitely kind of all over the place, but I see preppy as something that is traditional and classic that last can last, you know, a style that can last forever, but not boring. Um, I want, when I buy a dress or when I decorate my house, I want it to be colorful and fun, but I also want to look back 40 years from now in a photo and it doesn't look dated. Mm-hmm. And I think that the whole preppy aesthetic is that it's fun, it's in the moment, but still has that kind of traditional feel to it where it's not it's not trendy necessarily. You can always add trendy pieces. Like I, oh gosh, I finally adopted non-skinny jeans. It's uh, <laughs> very, very hard for me. Um, so I'm not, I'm not saying wear, you know, wide leg khaki pants for the rest of your life, but you know, mix some traditional pieces of beautiful scarf and white pants and just make it some preppy is making your own of kind of the funky and traditional mix together. That's timeless. And that was a very round body answer, but that's how my brain works. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's perfect. You, you got it right. I, I love that answer. What is, and this might be a little bit difficult because obviously your inventory changes, but I guess, you know, right now, or maybe your all-time bestseller, what's a bestseller and then what's your personal favorite that's online or in, in store right now? Um, right now, um, <laughs> the Sale to Sable summer collection is just beautiful. And I mean, you, you bought some of it from me and you're yeah. you've been wearing some of it, you know, it's the most amazing collection of blue and white classic navies and rickrack. And I just, we got it in the store and I just wanted everything of it. So that's my personal favorite. Um, best sellers. It's really been interesting because coming out of COVID, I would easily say all of our athletic um, attire, mainly our lily pullets or leggings and, and, and shirts, but people are now doing more social events which I love. Um, so it's getting to more, more of our occasion dresses. Um, I'm trying to think, I think maxis like cotton maxis are, are having their moment right now. We have this Malone maxi that I think we've, I think we sold seven of them in one day, Um, (laughs) which is, which is crazy for a small business of one particular style. But maxis are having their moment. So that cotton maxi, and then we have this eyelet maxi, the Amrita, that is uh, kind of timeless and ageless. So we have, you know, 18-year-olds who are wearing it and then 80-year-olds who are wearing it. And it comes in navy and pink and white. And I, we can't we can't keep that one on the floor. So the two, those two are Lily Pulitzer styles. My personal favorite, again, is that Sail to Sable Summer. Um, but it's 
it's really hard because we get new inventory almost every day and new drops every two weeks for Lily. So there's always something new. And that's the problem is I always want what's new. <laughs> it keeps it fun and fresh. Oh, yes. Always, always something new to look at and figure out, figure out what the fit is, figure out how people are liking it. It's a, it's a constant turning wheel. <laughs> now, obviously, we got to hang out with each other on Nantucket Island, but I'm curious what your favorite vacation destination is. So if I am in the U.S., definitely anywhere in New England. Um, I have a special place in my heart for Connecticut and um, have spent a lot of time there. And I love to go hang out with my friends and take the boat out. Um, but then abroad, since now we can we can travel abroad again, I would go to Ireland every year if I could. Um, I went after I uh, left my my job in marketing and spent two weeks there by myself. And it's they're the kindest people, the most beautiful, um, beautiful landscape. I it's it's the best. And I've I've been to a lot of other places in Europe that I, I would go back to, and they're amazing. But Ireland is just it has my heart a hundred percent. Yeah, it's beautiful. Okay, what about your go to drink order? Um, extra dirty Tito's Martini. <laughs> <laughs> no hesitation. No hesitation there at all. That's well. That's my that's my cocktail. But also, yes. you know this. I go for bubbles whenever I can too. So a good yep. a good champagne. Yep, for sure. We're on the same page with that. Yes. Um, what about a resource for business? Like, is there something you listen to or read um, that you could suggest people check out, or maybe a group that you're part of? So I'm part of, uh, you and I are both part of the Southern Sea, which has been immensely helpful for me, just meeting people and being able to text or call people say, hey, I need help with with this, whether it's an HR issue or accounting or, you know, how do I make this work on my Shopify? Um, and then also both part of Lydia Menzies' Supper Club, which has been so much fun. And also just sometimes you need to speak. You don't even have a business question. You just need to speak with people and get a story off your chest and have people say, it's okay, we've been there, or congratulations, that was a great thing. And that's also what those two groups do. Um, as I mentioned before, my dad owned his own business. It was not retail. It was not in fashion at all, <laughs> but it's still, he's been there. He knows what it's like to to manage people on your own and to, to, to maybe not know when your next paycheck is because you have to pay everyone else. Mm -hmm. um, so he's been great. I have a great support system from my MBA program. I still talk with some of my professors and have bounced stuff off of them. And then I also, um, I'm, I, this is terrible to say on a podcast, but I'm just getting into podcast. I'm very <laughs> far behind on, I have feel like so many friends listen to multiple ones, but my gateway into the podcast world was She Said, She Said podcast with Laura Cox Kaplan. Yeah. And um, she has been an amazing, um, really mentor and friend to me. Um, I've, I think we had like a two hour phone conversation <laughs> the other day, but also just listening to her podcast with women in, in all types of businesses and industries. Um, it's so inspiring. That's why I love to start my Friday mornings. But she also has, through that podcast, great reading list. Um, there's, I wish I had written this down. There's a great book about storytelling in business and how that can create, as I was talking about earlier, it creates a sale if you have a good story to go with it. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of just pick and choose from a lot of, a lot of different things. I'm very lucky to have such a great support system, um, between family and friends in, in all these groups that I can just, 
I love to crowdsource and there's always Instagram where I'm also famous for. I only do it for close friends, but um, I love to crowdsource on there and ask questions and get people's opinions on kind of more fun stuff about the store. But business wise, a little bit of everything. I love that. Those are all great resources. So what's next for you? Any sneak peeks, anything you're working on? Um, I thought I had so, I had such big plans for this year and I honestly am just trying to keep my head above water right now. Um, you know, retail is, it's definitely slower right now. I think there's a not recession recession that no one's talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so really just trying to figure out where our stride is with, with the business, how much we're carrying, how much we're selling and how much we want to grow in where our inventory is, how much do we want to move online? Right now we do about 20% of our business in e-com and balancing all of that out. Um, That is kind of what I deal with day to day. Long-term, I have, I mean, so many ideas and things that I'd love to do. And um, we, you, you were at the table when I discussed this at, in, on Nantucket, but I'd love to be able to work with, more brands as a collaboration. I want Pink Bee to be its own brand that happens to carry all these other heritage brands, but I want us to be be a name that people know and that I can work with smaller lines, whether it's clothing or jewelry, and just kind of make a name for ourselves as that um, preppy resort chic name that people recognize. And that's, I know that's going to take a lot of work and it's a lot of relationship building, but that's kind of the next bigger goal. And it's that's not a goal you can just check off with one box. It's going to be a lot of time and a lot of different iterations to figure out where our stride is with that. Definitely. But I, I know you can do it and you're going to do it great. So I'm so excited to see what the future holds. Um, <laughs> the, my final question is, where can people find you? So let them know, obviously, where the store is located if they're local and want to stop in person, your website URL, social media handles, that sort of thing. So they can shop, they can support you and follow along. Yes. So um, we're in downtown Greenville and we're on uh, Augusta. And I always tell people, if you're familiar with Greenville, you probably know Gather, which is this amazing like outdoor food hall and we're across the street. So go get your cocoa bowls and your, your rosé and then come over and hang out with us and shop. Uh, then online, it's pinkbgvl.com, GVL as in Greenville, pinkbgvl.com. That's also our Instagram, pinkbgvl. Facebook is all the same. Um, and then also my, I share a lot on my personal account, which is Leanne M underscore. Um, and so I, I try and show kind of behind the scenes stuff of what I'm wearing from the store on that one. Um, and also the fun other brands that I meet. But definitely check out check us out online. All of our inventory is updated every day. I get a lot of questions of, is your website up to date? And yes, that is a full-time job right there. Everything we have um, is available and great pictures. You can always email us with questions about sizing. We're happy to help. We want, we want it to be a great customer service experience for all of our shoppers. So we're always happy to send pictures, Try stuff on for you and um, make sure you're you're ordering the best possible fit for you. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Leanne. This was so fun to sort of deep dive into your business and learn more about you. Thank you. This was so much fun. I'm I'm so glad that we had all our time together on Nantucket. It was it was a blast. 
and great to follow up with you here. Thank you so much for listening to the Preppy Podcast. I hope this put a little prep in your step for the day. Please subscribe, rate, and review on wherever you listen to your podcast and follow along with at the Preppy Podcast on social media. 